Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Man that is nailed to a cross. And why is he there? One of my favourite hymns of probably all time, actually, is a hymn by Isaac Watts. It's called When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. It's a great hymn. It's a hymn that particularly associated with Easter. It's got some great words. And tonight, I'm just going to take you through those verses and try and explain and just help you understand what happened on Good Friday. So the first verse is, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt and all my pride. See, it's a paradox. A paradox means something that doesn't actually make sense until you investigate it and realise actually it is really true. It seems strange. Why would we say Good Friday? Why would we say a wondrous cross? You see, I've never heard anyone say, did you see that guillotine? Wow, it was beautiful. Did you see that hangman's noose? Have you ever seen a knot quite like it? Oh, that electric chair. Look at the shape of that. We don't do it. That's incongruous. It doesn't make sense. But yet, when we talk about the cross of Christ, we call it a beautiful event. We call it the wondrous cross. It doesn't make any sense at all. You see, Jesus was crucified. You've heard that several times already tonight. And crucifixion was something reserved for criminals. So what is good about Good Friday? An innocent man lost his life. There was a miscarriage of justice. It should never have happened. See, in those days, there was no death row. There's no appeals process. When sentence was passed, sentence was carried out. Crucifixion, it's uh, it was developed by the Persians but perfected by the Romans. It's one of the cruelest, torturous deaths that's ever been known to man. There was the pain, there was the agony, there was the, the nails through the points of the wrists and the feet. Jesus had a crown of thorns rammed on his head. He would be bleeding, he would be bleeding to death. The weight of his body would have been on his ribcage because he was out of joint, all his arms. His legs were bent so that he couldn't lift himself properly on his legs to ease the pain. So eventually he would have suffocated because the, the physical effect of being stretched out and trying to breathe. His lungs would be full of water. Round his heart would be full of water. And that's why when the spear went in, the Bible said blood and water flowed. So why is it good? Why is it good? Because on that day, Jesus changed the course of history. But of course, it was a course of history that was already planned. From the, from the beginning of age, that course of history was planned. It says, I pour contempt and on my pride. Because verse 2 says, Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my Lord. Although the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice unto his blood. Paul writes... In Galatians, if you're going to boast about anything, boast in the cross. But yet we don't. Because my pride stops me boasting in the cross. My pride means I focus on myself. You see, we've got a word we use in church, it's called sin. And sin is all about pride. Because I am at the centre of that. It's all about me. It's what I want to do. You see, there's a, there's a president of the United States trying to build a wall at the moment. And some of us are, are ridiculing it, some of us are laughing at it, some of us are offended by it. But here's the truth. Every single one of us tonight, we've got our own wall. Yeah, We're all building our own wall, and that's called pride. Yeah. 
See, pride says, I don't need God. There's a brick. I'm going to do things my way. There's another brick. I'm going to shake my fist at God when things go wrong. There's another brick. But when things go well, well, I'm going to take the credit for that. And as you can see, brick by brick, we're building this wall. I can treat with pride. It's easy. I can treat others with contempt. It doesn't matter because I matter most. I can be superior to you because I'm better than you because my pride. Brick by brick, that wall is getting higher. Behind that wall, it's great. I can, it's easy to be jealous. It's easy to be greedy. It's easy to be, easy to be self-sufficient. It's easy to put ever, other people down. It's easy to lie. It's easy to steal. It's easy to cheat behind that wall. And we keep building up. But you know what happens behind that wall? I turn around and I look to see who else is with me. The truth is, there's nobody. Because everybody else is busy building their wall. And the walls are getting higher and higher to a point where we just can't see. We just can't escape. See, I'd like to create a God that suits me. A bit like a sugar daddy. Provide for me, but not to put too much pressure on. Yeah. I'd quite like a God like that. That sounds easy to me. That's pride. Yeah, sure. My kingdom, my rules. The wall of separation is getting taller yeah. and taller and taller. There seems to be no escape. And then I hear a tap, tap, tap on the other side of the wall. It's a small tap at first. It maybe sounds like nails going in, but there's a small tap. And the bricks, they start to move. That brick of bitterness is starting to fall out. So what do I do? I quickly get it and I try and push it back in. Because that tap is Jesus on the other side, calling for me, looking for me, spreading his arms out wide on a cross, tapping away at that wall, trying to break it down. But my pride says, no, no, I'm going to put that brick back, put that brick back. But Jesus, he doesn't give up. See, all the vain things that charm me most, I need to sacrifice them to his blood. And that's why it's Good Friday, because Jesus didn't give up. God was calling you and he didn't give up. He kept on tap, tap, tap and the wall starts to come down. Tonight I'm going to ask you, have you got a wall? I have. I've got things that I still like to build. My pride still takes over. But Andy, you're you're part of the leadership of the church. Well, yeah, I know. These things still happen. Every one of us keep building that wall but Jesus keeps on pushing those bricks in. What are you going to do with the bricks? Chuck them away. It's no good to you. That wall's no good to you. Let it break it down. See, verse 3 says, See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Because of my pride, a price needed to be paid. Now, Easter actually coincides with the Jewish festival of Passover. And in fact, if you go to some, some parts of Europe, um, the word Easter is like, uh, in, in Swedish, it's Pascha, in Dutch, it's Passan, in, in uh, Romanian, it's Pashti, it's Pasquare in Italian and, and Spanish. Passover is so important. What is Passover? Well, Passover is a story you'll find in the Bible where the Jews are, are in slavery. They're enslaved in Egypt. And God sends 10 plagues, and Passover marks the 10th plague. 
And the children of Israel, the Jews, were given very clear instructions. They were to take a spotless lamb. They were to kill it. They were to put the blood of the lamb all around the doorframe. See, that signified the threshold into their home, the threshold into their personal life. Put the blood of the lamb all the way around it. They were told to consume everything, and they were told to get ready to move. Get your shoes on, get your coats ready, because after this, you're going to move on. You see, Egypt, it's a land of slavery. It's a land where you're building walls. The Jews were constantly building bricks, bricks, buildings, pyramids. So Egypt is a land of slavery. I wonder if tonight you're still in Egypt. Maybe you're not free. Maybe you, you just don't know where the next step is because that wall is just too high. You can't see over it. Jesus himself, John the Baptist, called him the, the Lamb of God. He said, look, here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So you can see that parallel. Yeah. The Lamb from the Old Testament and the Lamb in the New Testament, yeah. which is Jesus. And that blood. The blood we talk about on the cross is that cleansing, that perfect, pure, spotless lamb. And if you were to apply that blood of Jesus to your life, to the threshold of your life, to your heart, that's where the protection of God comes from. That's where the wall starts coming out because Jesus, he paid that price. That's why it's a good Friday. And that's why we could say, when I survey the wondrous cross because Jesus he was alone his friends had left him they'd scarpered they were building their own walls he was whipped he was scourged with a whip that's so bad his back would have been wide open and bleeding they flung a, a cloak on it they pulled out his beard they beat him with rods they stuck a crown of thorns on his head they made him carrying his own cross they would have ripped that cloak off on blood that's now started to congeal made it bleed again. They were throwing him down on that cross. They put nails through his hands and through his feet. And then they dropped that cross into its position, jarring every bone in his body. See, Jesus gave it all. A ransom for many. Jesus did that so the slaves could go free. I was a slave until Jesus paid the price for me till the blood of the lamb was shed for me and that's why we love that song wondrous cross you see the final verse why has it all happened the prize i am the prize with a whole realm of nature and mind that were an offering far too small love so amazing so divine demands my soul my life my all in matthew it talks of a merchant who, who finds a pearl of great price and he gives up everything so he can purchase that pearl. I've heard that said many times. It's people who find God. Ah, this is the way around. See, God finds you. God finds you where you are, cowering behind your wall and you are so important to him. You are so important that he gave his all. In Romans chapter 5, He said, scarcely for a good man will someone die. But yet, whilst we were still sinners, whilst we were still far away from God, Christ demonstrates his love for us 
by dying. He demonstrates his love by dying. See, despite me being disobedient and distant and dishonest and distrusting and disloyal and destructive, Jesus died because I am his prize. You are his prize. You are worth so much to him that he gave absolutely everything. We've already been mentioned. The moment that Jesus died, the veil in the temple, the thing that separated the people and the priests from God was torn in two. The Bible says from top to bottom. No man did that. No man could have done that from top to bottom because Jesus wanted that relationship with you. Jesus wanted that. And in Ephesians it says, for you, once are far away, he has broken down that wall of separation. I love the symmetry of the Bible. In the Garden of Eden, there was a tree of life that they were not to touch. They touched the tree of knowledge of good and evil instead. But then in the New Testament, we find a tree that's been cut down to make a cross. And on that cross, life is given. The thief on the cross, he turned to Jesus. He said, Lord, remember me. So even with his last few breaths, Jesus promised that thief he'd be in paradise. A centurion, a man with authority and influence, looked to the cross and said, surely this man is the son of God. There's a passage in the Old Testament. I'm going to read it to finish. Well, just a couple of minutes, I'm going to be done. It's Isaiah 53. I'm going to read it from the message. I don't usually use a message, but this is good prose. Who believes what we've heard and seen? Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over, a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures, but it was our sins that did that to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him, our sins. He took the punishment and that made us whole. Through his bruises we get healed. We're like sheep who've wandered off and got lost. We've all done our own thing gone our own way and God has piled all our sins everything we've done wrong on him on him he was beaten he was tortured but he didn't say a word like a lamb taken to be slaughtered and like a sheep being sheared he took it all in silence Justice miscarried and he was led off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own welfare, beaten bloody for the sins of my people. They buried him with the wicked, threw him in a grave of a rich man, even though he'd never hurt a soul or said one word that wasn't true. Still, it's what God had in mind all along, to crush him with pain, 
The plan was that he give himself as an offering for sin so that he'd see life come from it. Life, life, and more life. And God's plan would deeply prosper through him. Out of that terrible travail of soul, he would see that it's worth it and be glad he did it. Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones as he himself carries a burden of their sins. Therefore, I reward him extravagantly the best of everything, the highest honours, because he looked death in the face and didn't flinch, because he embraced the company of the lowest. He took on his own shoulders the sin of many. He took up the cause of all black sheep. Hebrews tells us that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the shame of the cross. What is that joy? That joy was seeing you in relationship restored. That joy was seeing your wall be broken down and you come to know him for yourself. And tonight I'm going to offer you an invitation.